Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomad podcast. And today we're going to deep dive into energy performance certificates, ratings, how it's worked out and, and big changes that are coming uh, in, in the world of EPCs moving forward, which will affect both your home and your portfolio as well. And to tell us more about that or to share insight about that, I'm delighted to be joined by Stuart Fairley, who is the Technical and Operations Director at Elmhurst Energy. Stuart, thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. That's, that's good. Hopefully we can talk of all those things that you just mentioned. It'd be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be packed full of really useful content. Start from the top, though. For some people, if, if they do do their own energy or do do energy assessments, might be familiar with the name Elmhurst. I guess most people won't be. So who are Elmhurst Energy? Okay, yeah, I'll keep it quick. Um, Elmhurst is, we've been around for 25 years in this space. We sort of... Uh, helped invent some of these met what are called methodologies, the way that you do energy rate buildings in the UK. Um, and we're the largest scheme. So we're, we're a certification scheme of members effectively of which there are about seven and a half thousand individuals up and down throughout the whole of the UK who can go and provide, I say landlords, people, energy certificates for their buildings. Um, so you've got seven, seven and a half thousand people uh, give or take about a million energy certificates created last year. That's a sort of volume through Elmhurst systems. Um, and they're all for different bits of legislation that government would like to do. And each region does it very differently. So again, in England, they might do require different things to Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. We cover all of that. Um, so we're just really, really busy. And it's um, it's just exciting as all things changing. But as I said, we don't do the energy certificates. We, 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 we make sure that people who do them are trained and accredited and certified and insured. Etc. So um, that's our role, really. But we, yeah, we've been around for a long time. So um, hopefully, we'll be able to give you a bit of background where they come from and where they're going to head to. Um, uh, that would be great. Oh, well, that seems like the next logical place to go. Actually, beat me to to the question. Um, <laughs> so yeah, do, do follow on with your own questions. Absolutely. I I suppose the you know when and when Elmhurst first starts up in around about twenty years doing the same thing and. My life is a lot easier now. I can explain what energy is in buildings an awful lot easier because there's other folk who are out there much more famous than me talking about climate change and buildings making that contribution. So 20 years ago, it was a very different world, um, very much linked into, we were linked in with the mortgage lenders and the surveyors and being able to offer products around buying homes with an additional energy, home energy survey on the back of it, which would tell people effectively what they could do to save money on or save carbon on their home and uh, put loft insulation and change of boiler those sensible things that still exist right now and then fast forward a bit um the labor government at the time decided to go with a deeply unpopular move to create things called home information packs which are state agents and surveyors and everybody sort of threw threw the dolly out about uh, didn't actually come into fruition very much um and at that point, they were trying to sort of uh, standardise the way, say, getting an energy performance certificate, this energy stamp of your home and assessment, um, being mainstream, if you like. And that was sort of 2006, 2007. Um, and ever since then, it's really taken off because every time you sell a house or you rent it or you construct it, you have to have an energy performance certificate. So all of these members that we have, these seven and a half thousand people, they work in different buildings. They work in non-domestic buildings. They work chip shops, uh, libraries, schools, hospitals, and then you get your sort of domestic energy assessors looking at existing homes, flats, yeah, masonettes, houses detached. And obviously there's an awful lot of people who are very interested in new builds and that's on construction and that's a sort of hot topic at the moment in terms of the eye of government uh, looking at new build and making sure they're more energy efficient than the ones they were building last year. So different sectors that we cover, but predominantly just buildings. Um, 
So that's really where we are, really. I suppose since 2006, 2007, they came in and they've, they've been there now. Everybody sees them and sort of very familiar with that A to G sticker on the side of your fridge. Having one of them on your house is effectively what we're talking about. Um, I'm hoping that this discussion will lead us to what do you do next? Now, I understand it's A to G, and I think the next thing is educating people about what the right thing to do to move forward is. And I think that's sort of certainly in the last few years seems to be the challenge and the questions we, we certainly get asked. What's next? Why is my house not very good? Um, so hopefully we can sort of chew the fat around that really and see where we, where we may end up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing, the best thing to do is to go through it step by step, go through it very logically, as, as you said. And apologies if we're teaching people to suck eggs here in terms of some of the information, but the whole point of getting into the nooks and crannies of this episode is so people do come out with a better understanding, uh, not just of energy performance at the moment, but where it is going. So uh, let's make no apologies for that. The, the more detail that I say we go into, Stuart, the more detail you go into, the, the better it will be. Most people, again, will be familiar with Energy Performance Certificate, A being yeah, pretty much as good as you can get at the moment, G yeah. being the very at the very bottom, uh, not very good at all. But there's a multitude of reasons why you can get high ratings and why you can get low ratings. And that does change from time to time. So if you can give a snapshot of what generally at the moment would constitute a building getting A or B versus at the very bottom um, an F or a G. Yeah, I think the, the the interesting challenge I suspect is that there aren't many A's. Let's be, let's keep it simple. In the UK, very few new builds would actually get to be an A rated, believe it or not. Um, in fact, most people think I'm buying a, a new home. It's going to be energy efficient, and that's simply not true. They they are. They're, they're, don't get me wrong. They're better than an existing home, uh, an older property. Um, but they're they're not AA all the time, you know. Again, back to A levels and GCSEs where you get A star and stuff. Um, we haven't had to go there yet. Um, you know, most of them certainly if they meet the new build regulations and they're, they're on gas, they'll probably be Bs. That would be a fair reflection of where new build sits at the moment. Um, so if you think you're buying a warm, cheap to run home and you're buying new build, that's sort of B, which then starts saying, well, what about my 1950s semi? What about my you know pre pre 1900 terrace house? What, what does that look like? And that's when you start to see quite rather the difference between sort of F's, G's all the way, you know, up to up to your A's and B's. And it's not that you can't get them there. It just becomes quite difficult, more challenging and more difficult because you're you're dealing with a retrofit of an existing property. Um, so I always like to think of an energy assessment as, yes, it might assess your building right now, your home, and it might give you a not very nice rating. It might say it's F and G. But the good news is there's always a potential. And on that rating, which you refer to as the HG sticker, there's always another column that says you could get here. And the problem is, is that costs money. And that's obviously the, the, the downside to, from, to getting from F and a G up to a, you know, a C or a B or something like that. You know, you're going to have to start to invest in the property to, to, to get that to be to be more energy efficient. And I suspect most landlords and comes down to well, which is the right one to do at the right time. Um, predominantly which is the cheapest one to do first and um, which gives the most bang for your buck um, but the energy certificate the good thing is that it gives you that information and having a chat with the energy assessor they'll probably be able to tell you that within 30 seconds at the end of the assessment so well actually these are the things um, so the good news is always something you can do um, bad news is they can't all be a rated uh, it's just impossible um, government know that we all know it there's a say a, a limit on an older property how far it can be improved so um, 
But good news, the energy assessment itself and the certificate will tell you that. And it's, in my mind, quite clear. Um, people do concentrate on just the rating as it starts, but I think you should look at the potential as well. And um, yeah, the sort of the carrot of gain there is that you'll have lower fuel bills and it'll be better for the environment and you'll save carbon and everything else that comes with that. So, so yeah, that's really the energy. Fact, I mean, uh, Sorry. No, but appreciate that. Sounds like me interrupting there. And, <laughs> you know, being, being an energy assessor myself, I think I've done an episode on it a little while ago about different ways you could potentially um, improve your, your home. But rather than me run through it, could you just run through some of the examples that people might see on their energy performance certificate? Again, I, I don't, I personally don't think they're rocket science. It's really just simple things like, I say simple things, you've got loft insulation, topping that up, fabric. Improving the fabric, that, that's the key, is getting your walls to be warmer if they're cavity walls. You can get cavity insulation or if they're solid, you can put some solid wall insulation. It's pretty expensive, but it would make a big difference. It makes the building warmer. Um, then after that, you're looking at the technology that's in it, your boiler, your hot water cylinder, your controls, all of those things that mean that you might use less fuel to heat your home and produce hot water. Um, you can do that more effectively with a, with a newer type appliance, depending on what that is. Some people, you know, have open fires, people have older gas boilers, people have electric. There's a, such a mix of different things out there. Um, you know, and as you go through normally, normally the more modern stuff will be a bit more efficient. Um, and so, yeah, if you can compartment a fabric approach to your building, get that warmer. And then again, then the stuff inside it, that, you know, it's costing you money to run your heating, your water and your lighting. They can all be improved if uh, majority of the time um, and again the EPC will, would say that you'd say you've got one of these and it could be improved if you've actually really got a very very efficient boiler it won't suggest to do put another one in because you've already got a good one go and spend your money elsewhere it will identify the areas that could be improved um, so yeah that's probably the you know cylinder insulation would be another easy one I always think of the amount of houses I've been to and they've got a copper tank in there and the, the towels are being warmed on it you know it's um it's not the most the smartest thing it costs an absolute arm and a leg to to do that and it's um it's not very e efficient when you want some hot water so again the energy certificate says things that are hopefully in a cost-effective way um how to improve i've definitely seen a fair few share uh, my fair share even of uh, copper tanks and uh, yeah people heating various uh, bits and pieces on them let's leave it at that so that's that's energy performance certificates in, in in a nutshell you need one to you know if you're a landlord i'm hoping that you'll know this already yeah you need one if you're renting um if you haven't got one find someone to do one and get it done asap because that's uh, punishable we get quite a hefty fine for not having them uh, and and also Stuart, if if again if i'm not mistaken if a pro there are exceptions to the rule of what i'm just about to say if a property is rated at an f or a g nowadays you're not able to let that out or at least start a new tenancy. Um, Correct, can you yeah. just go into that a little bit more, please? So, yeah, legislation came in a few years ago. It's called private renter sector legislation, minimum energy efficiency standards, full of acronyms, I'm afraid, in our industry. Uh, but that's only in England and Wales. So obviously, listening to this, pod, uh, this podcast, if you're in England and Wales, that's true. Um, you can't rent if it's F or G rated. So the idea is that you do an energy assessment, find out what your property is, and then you need to get it to an E at the minimum to be able to rent it. Obviously, it'd be better if it went through those barriers because your, your tenant would have a lower fuel bill and a warmer property. But point being is the regulations request E at the moment. Um, there's a tran uh, basically there's a transition. You can't bury your head in the sand and say well, it's not going to happen. The government have been very clear and upfront that that, that milestone is going to change over the years all the way up to C rated properties. 
um, depending on which region you're in, it's all different. 2030, there's, Boris will say something next week that will change the mind. It'll be 2028, 2020. There's all sorts of noise coming out of the various government departments. But the, the legislation is only in England and Wales at the moment. Um, Northern Ireland's just consulting on it. So if you've got any listeners over there, they're just talking about how to introduce it. I've got a consultation on my desk, you can't see it. Um, so they're saying we're going to introduce something like that and asking people what they think. And Scotland was about to do it before COVID. And just at the last minute, they delayed the, the legislation in their private sector to be the same F and G. And they believe that after the elections, which I think is May, they'll probably come out and put that back onto the time time into the legislation to impact into the private rented market into Scotland as well. So again, any listeners north of the border, you, you know this one's coming soon as well. So, but it is a starter. I think that's probably the one thing I know it says horrific that you know oh my god what am i going to do these f and g rated properties i can't let them i i have to say i've spoken to an awful lot of assessors lots and lots of people they're not that difficult to get to ease you know most of the time but certainly it's not a challenge i think the challenges will come further down the line when you're trying to get them further up the north of the um of that scale but again they're not there that's not the legislation just yet but picking up on something rob you mentioned there's there is exemptions so if you can't do it there is a way out to say, I can't do that because of, and there are some legitimate reasons why people can't do it. And uh, again, go and speak to your energy assessor. They'll be able to say, this is the reasons why, and that's where you want to look on this particular government website. You know, there's the exemption register for, for certain types of properties. And we'll try and put a, a link to that in the, in the show notes. I mean, the first exemption, okay. the, 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 the major exemption that came to my mind, and please do add more, Stuart, was uh, if properties listed, because, Obviously, listed properties could be quite fiddly, uh, and then that's a whole different world of you know planning, possibly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are there yeah. any other things that I'm not thinking of uh, that are quite major exemptions? Yeah, there's, it's all sorts of different ways of saying it. it's, it's not cost effective to do it. It alters the value of the property. There's two, three, four, five different types, and actually, we could spend an entire pod session on this trying to, to understand it. It becomes very legal easily, but I think what most people, and certainly we've found, is that they've just said, "Yeah, this is how to get to that to be property to be better and warmer." And to be honest with you, it's also you know as you get properties warmer and better, they, they're actually going to look after them. So I think that the fact you less mould and less condensation and stuff heat generally would help those properties. So even you know for the landlord, the next tenant, etc. Um, so yeah, there is an exemption, but again, I. Going into the detail here, we'll just get lost. Per se, I think you point them into the direction of it. There is an ability to not do it if you if you don't have to. Um, but as I said, the vast majority of properties are certainly compliant to the sort of the, the current legal requirement, uh, as far as we can see. In terms of getting into the the nooks and crannies, you just said uh, people listen to this and they're thinking actually that's what something I want to hear. Uh, drop me an email, Rob at tpmpodcast.com. And, spoken off air Stuart and myself Stuart's happy to appear uh, and do more in-depth stuff if if that meets the demand of 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 you listeners so if that is the case email me rob at tpnpodcast.com bit of a grey area Stuart uh, that we're just going to go into and and you've just alluded to it slightly that different white papers Boris might say something next week etc 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 for England and Wales, what, what is the rough state of play at the moment? Because I've heard different things, you know, 2030 in some places, 2035, they want to get rid of gas boilers, things must be a minimum of a C. I'm not as attuned in as you would be. So what, what are you hearing at the moment about what is potentially around the corner for England and Wales? I, 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 where do you start, Alan? 
every different i think if you, if you break up the market into different places there's different rules and different laws and different regulations um without even going into the different regions so for instance we're talking here predominantly about rental market and obviously that's a, that has its own legislation which is kind of very clear and it's telling you it's going to be this and then over time there's no date by the way don't quote me but certainly they're, they're ratcheting up through to a d and then to a c and where they'll take that don't know um they haven't set milestones and deadlines on any of that yet but there will be those backstops that they've committed to you know un we have zero carbon etc 2030 you are right it sort of changes and this but the intent is there but coming back to how i was going originally there's there's sort of the sectors that again you may have some listeners you've got social landlords who look after you know social um, rented properties well they've had these targets for donkey's years so you know to be honest with you they're really energy efficient properties buying social landlords because they've invested in capital or loft installation boilers etc over a number of years because they meet other government legislation and rules and, and, and requirements the biggest sector that isn't catered for at all is owner occupied so the vast majority of properties are you know are owner occupied um and the government have recognized this so the direction of travel and the sort of what's going on really is in that sort of sector at the moment if that makes sense they're, they're trying to understand how they can motivate the average person mr mrs average mr mrs smith or whatever how they can go and say how am i going to improve my home what have i got to do and the only thing that they've got at the moment is when you sell your house you get an epc well lots of people don't sell houses i know the market's getting pretty crackers at the moment which is great but actually there are people who don't move and never will move and therefore don't understand the energy efficient in the house so there's lots and lots of movers and what i would call legislative drivers and what they're doing um quite cannily and it will affect rental market by the way is they're starting to lean on what i would refer to as a sort of professional it's sort of like the idea that solicitors and lenders so at the moment the big push is on banks and mortgage lenders to start to understand how they lend in this space, whether that's to private to, to landlords or for buy to let mortgages or to, to owner occupiers. They're trying to get sort of them to take ownership of what they lend in terms of EPCs. So they're basically saying, look at your stock. Are you res responsibly lending? Have you got the climate change emergencies? Is a buzzword, doesn't it? If you read the newspapers. And I'm putting some figures onto those guys, and that's certainly everybody we're talking to. And there's an awful lot of um, sort of big, big, big lenders are starting to talk to us to understand what it might look like, um, and they're being put under pressure to sort of responsibly lend, and also then encourage people to do things. So if you're FNG, you could lend somebody some more money to top up to do the loft or change the boiler. Um, so as I say, there's an awful lot of activity that's going on in lots of different places. Some of them are quite unusual. It's sort of like you normally would, would deal with maybe the Ministry of Housing, for example, and we're talking about house sales and sort of building houses. And then we've suddenly got the business and energy um, di division down in Whitehall. And they've got lots of sort of different policy spiels and talking to lots of innovation. Um, and then, of course, we're talking in as you know tax and that sort of maybe there's an opportunity here to change the way that we do tax on houses and so lots of noise nothing as i wouldn't say nothing concrete that's a bit unfair on it really they're doing lots and lots of consultations and i know if you've ever seen our website we spend an awful lot of our time responding there's been 100 in the last couple of years that all talk about energy and buildings um and we just have to, to tell government and all the civil servants well we think this we think that they're telling us what they think um and how they're going to take lots of these policies and bring our homes up um and uh, you know long been accused of being what is it the, the the worst performing homes in western europe we've heard that in certain news and from an energy point of view um and i think the government are now realizing that we've got a big climate change conference in glasgow at the end of the year and they need to start to start to have some good news stories 
So I'd say this year is going to be quite interesting in terms of what they're trying to make people do and how they're going to motivate us to make our homes better and our build, all our buildings, office space, et cetera, as well. But homes, I think, is the big embarrassment. You just um, alluded to something actually you mentioned about the least energy efficient uh, buildings in in western europe you, in your opinion is that just down to the the way in which over the years we have built my, our, our housing stock or is that just a case of eh, no one's really been paying much attention and, and now we're playing catch up uh, a bit of both really um i think we've always had regulations we've always tried to encourage people to build homes that are better obviously every year every 10 years you sort of have a different driver on that respect but i think energy's just gone under the under the, the radar there's been more important things you know like life the fact the building will stand up and you know it's got fire regulations for obvious reasons and you've got some safety you know never always take a precedence and as i said in the last say so you asked me 20 years ago if i said to you well we're all about energy efficiency save the planet well you kind of this was a bit of a joke really it's like oh, yeah yeah whatever you know actually now it's mainstream it's really mainstream and people are sitting up and going blimey this is actually you know it's a really good thing to do so i think times have shifted and attitudes have seriously shifted and actually consumers are actually demanding it now not as much as probably they should um but again it's all been kept away from them why would you tell somebody your house isn't very energy efficient they don't need to know that it's near a nice school it's got a nice driveway well, these are really important things don't get me wrong um, but I think actually what your fuel bill might, might be, and you know, over the course of that year living in it, it might be quite interesting. So um, I think the I, I said um, people are starting to demand a little bit more, um, and government are getting cute now. They're starting to say putting the, the levers out there with professional bodies who have got a bit of a vested interest in this space. And you know, as we all know, money makes the world go round. Once the banks start getting interested, it suddenly changes it up a notch. Um, so I think all roads are leading towards more energy efficient buildings. Uh, but I think unless we bring the consumers along with us, then it's a bit of a, it's always a bit of a fight. It's always somebody telling you it's a good thing to do, which is it's never going to win. You know, we're not very good as a country when somebody tells you you have to do this. Um, I think it's much, <laughs> much better when the particular person thinks, actually, this is what I want to do. And this is much more, um, you know, this is what would make my life a bit better, my family's life a bit better. I think that's when you sort of start winning a bit more. Um, yeah, we shall see. I think that's certainly the direction I'm seeing. I make me laugh about the uh, bit about we don't like being told what to do. That is ingrained. It's just a British thing. Of it's it is. absolutely yeah. ingrained in our in our culture and yeah. history. If we get told to do something, we'll uh, do probably flip the bird, say a few choice words, and um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, we're a bit rebellious, but um, we've got a few thousand years of that. But I, I, I think I think each of the mem- you know, obviously each region gets to choose now. It's sort of devolved government, so they can do different things. But essentially, they're all doing the same thing. They're just making new buildings more energy efficient through building regulations. They're looking at lots of, as I said, little policies and regulations in different spaces. And I, I say, I go back to that. I think you've got your drivers in the private rent sector pretty clear. They've told you where we're going to go. They're not going to waver. They're just not going to say, oh, so you know what? We'll forget about that. This climate change is not really happening. Um, they're going to drive that through. And in the social landlords, well, they're already doing it. The owner-occupied, they're going to start looking at banks and lenders trying to get them to be engaged and making them do something in that space. Um, I've, I've seen a consultation out about talking about looking at your tax or looking at how you do. Um, I've seen a proposal recently. It was really interesting about stamp duty. I'm going to look at that and say, could you link it into to that type of approach we, we've talked about for years almost, you know, getting people who, who live in poorer 
polluting homes, if that's the right word, maybe they pay a little bit more. I don't know. And it's a very dangerous game, though, because you, you, you could end up with people who are what, what I would first fuel poverty, being the people that are most affected. And actually, they're the people you need to support. Um, we've got to try and drive other people to make good decisions who have a few quid, if you know, that could actually make a difference. But um, I think that's where the, the, the latest government looking is in terms of, yeah legislation and regulations but sort of watching space i do think they're going to start saying stuff soon this year i think just simply because of the un i say come back to that if we're chairing something that's that big i think they're gonna have some quick wins this year well fingers crossed hopefully so and we'll again we'll put a link in the show notes to, to the elmhurst websites if people uh, do want to find out more over time by all means uh, go and check out the elmhurst website just a side note on that actually Stuart, i remember studying environmental economics at university this is what 12 13 years ago and it, i remember coming away from doing that module for a few months with and this is 12 years ago or whatever it was basically saying it's very sensitive to put a price on environmental factors i mean it's probably one of the most incredibly challenging things you could do because you're going to have the flip side of oh well it's priceless etc except fine you know i get that at the same time, yeah, as you just said, you know, if you're you're then gonna, you know, pay more tax because you live in a property that's got, I don't know, an E or F rating, as you just said, that could affect quite a lot of the, you know, poorer parts of the country. But that conversation for a different time, yeah. just just a, a side that's thing true. there. Uh, I think there's un- you use the word unintended consequences when they try and do the right thing. There are always something that's affected that you might not have seen and planned for, and therefore you've got to make sure that yeah, you're absolutely right. You don't you don't put people who are in the worst places into even further debt than that. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of new builds, and I'm I'm not a developer by any stretch of the imagination, people that are listening to the podcast, there's going to be some that are experienced developers, there's going to be some people that are thinking about getting into development. You you touched upon changes uh, that have been implemented in building regs and making new builds more energy efficient can you go through some examples of what's coming recently and again a couple of things that might be in the pipeline yeah big change um so currently we have a basis if again if we're dealing with england and wales all the other regions have got them they're just certainly different letters of the building regs but if it's the energy and conservation part of the building regulations part l in england and wales um so you currently apply to this and it sets your house got to be x amount efficient it's based on carbon by the way um, so your amount of carbon properties allowed to emit. Um, and so they've just gone through some huge consultations and this is out, uh, out of London. And so this, this, uh, this November, December, they're going to issue the new building regulations and they're going to say, this is what the new ones look like. Uh, there's a challenge, basically, I'm sort of I'm virtually holding my hands up. I know people on the podcast won't see this, it's useless. But they're basically saying, I put the new part L out there and it's going to be X amount more better than the previous regulations in terms of how much carbon the property is allowed to emit. Um, and again, there's some serious steps that they're trying to do, but there's a goal that in 2025, there'll be, there was a huge change towards what the future home standard, which is really low uh, carbon emissions of a property. So we've got one that's coming, I say building regs change, they're going to issue it in this sort of, as I say, November, December, but it's actually comes into effect in June next year. So new build homes from June next year will be a new standard as opposed to if you're building them right now. Um, and then I say, then there'll be a serious step over to 2025, which was what you referred to earlier about sort of this transition to electric or to low emission homes. Um, so that consultation went out and it was a big bang time. There's lots and lots of noise around that. 
Um, so yeah, lots of change in that. And again, I say Wales had the consultation at the same time, very similar. This is what we're going to do in Wales. And again, Scotland and Northern Ireland are just going through those motions too. But again, it will be just keeping the regs getting tighter, if, if that's the better way to describe it. Each keep, keep little and often. Um, but you also have to be pragmatic with builders that they, you know, they have to build a house, they have to design it, they have to buy all the kit for it to be able to get it on that site. So you can't change it every six months. That's not realistic. It's not reasonable. So at least if you could say there's a there's a route map there um, off um, gas grid, I think you mentioned earlier. And yeah, that's a, a whole new dilemma. But um, if I just say that each home will be better from a carbon perspective, that would be true. Um, I Something that's probably worth saying to people, again, I don't want to get too technical and don't take it this the wrong way, is um, energy performance certificates in the UK, certainly on domestic homes, all cost. I already talked about cost quite a bit today, haven't we? Fuel bills. Um, and that's always deemed to be the most, um, sort of what you get people to be motivated by, how much cash they've got in the pocket, how much they're going to spend on heating and hot water and lighting in their home. Um, so that HG is a pounds per square metre, like miles per gallon for your car. It's the best description I can come up with. So that's what it does. Um, on a non-domestic building, I don't know if anybody actually realises this, but the energy performance of a, of a, a non it looks the same as A to G. That's carbon emissions, and they're different. Um, and you kind of, I always wonder why. I don't think it was done on purpose. I think, well, actually, they said that uh, organisations would be more motivated by carbon than money. I find that strange, but maybe somebody back then thought that was a good idea. Um, uh, Elmhurst, and if you do say thanks, pushing our website, look at our news. Uh, we've been pushing recently that you, you should show all of the different metrics on the EPC because people are motivated by different things. So by that, I sort of talk about, um, take you off topic here, Rob. It's, if you remember you buy your, your Kellogg's, others are available, by the way, sorry. If you buy your cereals in the morning and you get your food label and you get those little roundels and it says salt, carbohydrates, sugars or whatever, you know, people are interested in um, the best thing is it's visible, it's obvious. So if you're a diabetic, you're going to look at the sugars, presumably. If you're you know, a little bit overweight, you might look at the, the fats. So, and people will choose the right thing. So rather than dictate to people that, as I say, the EPC, which I, we're, we're very proud of, et cetera, is cost, well, give them everything. The EPC should say carbon, it should say cost, and it should say true energy, which is a thing called kilowatts. You will see that on your fuel bill. So that's the amount of energy the house needs. This one is how much it costs to run. And this one, the other one, is how much carbon emits. And if you could get that out there on the, what I refer to as EPC, people then and policies and, and regulations can choose the horse that makes the most difference to what they want. Um, I think that's one of the big misunderstandings of EPCs. And I get very frustrated with it. But, um, you know, people talk about energy efficiency and actually having a, I've had, I've had conversations with lots of people. You have three experts in a room and we all think we've come out and said the same thing. It's energy efficiency. Some person thinks it's carbon, somebody thinks it's energy, and somebody thinks it's cost. You all work out thinking it's great. Um, so as I said, we're very indoctrinated in the domestic world about price, A to G. I've got a problem with that. But people then say, well, I want to drive carbon emissions down. Well, sometimes putting something in there doesn't drive carbon emissions down. And that's something I think as a, as a nation, as, a, as, a, as energy professionals and educating people, we're going to have to sort of deal with over the ne next few years. If, you know, if they want a true net zero economy, well, you might have to look at different sort of, as I said, not necessarily at the cost. So gone off on a tangent, but energy performance certificate and energy assessments gives them all of them. Just show people all of these calculations. That's all I've said. And that's my big plea. <laughs> Please put it on the EPCs and then literally, as I said, get it out in the open. Some might suggest disinfectant. It shows people what their home is doing. And then, as I said, people and governments and policies can dictate which one they want to change. That'd be my view. Well, 
That just, to, to me, Stuart, I mean, just <clears throat> first time, um, I'm just waffling away now, I ain't got a clue, uh, the words are just about to come out of my mouth. The, uh, um, that to me just sounds like common sense. But a problem with common sense is it's not that common. Uh, I completely get where you're coming from. I know you just said about 10, 15 minutes ago, the world revolves around money. Yeah, of course it does. A absolutely, categorically, whether you want to believe it or not, it yeah. does. But not everyone is going to be motivated by that no. money sure. factor. So, yeah, what you've just explained to me from the outside listening in just sounds like common sense. So I'm surprised that's not been done yet. Well, it kind of it subtly is. I think if you give again, give them a bit of credit um, that the carbon emissions is and the kilowatts of the energy is actually on the energy form. So they're not they're just not they're not aligned in that way that you see on your cereal packet. I use cereals, obviously, all the, all the foods have the food labeling, don't they, together in one place. So you could go, oh, I can see it's good for this, but it's not so good for that, but it's medium for this one. What I would say is that your EPC, you'll know this, Rob, is your, your HG is on the front page and then further down, or it's on an online system now, further down it'll tell you kilowatts and then somewhere else it tells you a carbon index, not all in the same scales or the same way to, dis, to, to show it. So it's kind of there, but not really that obvious. And, and I think we're all a bit sim keep it simple and stupid approach, you know, put, tell everybody and keep it simple. This is what your home does. And, and as I said, let people choose. You are right. Some people would say, no, I'm interested in carbon. And obviously certain parts of government would be very interested in reducing the carbon emissions. So they might want to push a certain technology or they might want to uh, push a certain thing to do in somebody's home, which makes that score better. Um, it might put your fuel price up. It might not. It depends. And, that, and that's always been a bit of a dilemma, really. And um, I say one that we've got to solve as we move forward all together, really, and just engage in as many stakeholders as possible. Um, I say there's no magic pill. We can't just go, hey, this is going to solve everybody's problem for the next you know, 50 years. You've got to sort of take every home is different. Every occupant within the home is different. And each of those will want different goals and drivers. Um, so you have to work with what we've got and help people get where they want to go rather than tell them that they have to go in that direction. So. In, in terms of people helping themselves, and what I mean by that is it's, it's always important to have some form of understanding, uh, have a desire, have a desired outcome as well, have, a, have an understanding of what's going on. Um, and it's always important to, to mention to people that there's, in my opinion, there's always some form of funding, grant funding, etc. There's always some form of funding out there, whether it come from government or local council, who, who, wherever, there is always some form of funding out there. So on the back of this Green Homes grant, which, again, there was mixed reviews from it. Some people loving it. Some people found it incredibly difficult. Government pulled it recently. I'm sure there'll be more grants and so forth moving ahead. Suppose a point I'm, I'm trying to make is if people are listening to people that are listening to this, try and find the, the, the eco person at your council, local council, because it's worth asking a question once a year and keep an eye out for, for government grants. So what was your opinion yeah. on, on the, the Green Homes Grant? Was it one of those ideas, good idea, but not executed very well? And it, what, what were your thoughts on it? And do you think there's going to be more of the same moving forward as as we, um, you know, develop and, and change our, our thoughts on carbon? I'll try, I'll try and answer that as best I can. Um, first up, first, if you're in England and Wales or Northern Ireland, if you go to the Energy Performance Certificate Register, that's exactly where you'll find all the links to government grants and funding. So the, the idea is because it's an online portal owned by the .gov, 
they should be able to click through and say, hey, this is the latest thing. That's the intention of government. I think that's a very smart move rather than a physical PDF document that's very dusty after a day. It's only as good as the day it was created on. So the move to this portal is really, really powerful, I think. So that's the first tip I would say. If you go there, they should always link you off to whatever government funding is is available. Um, Green Home Grants uh, was less about energy efficiency, if I'm being frank, it was about giving people jobs. Um, It was about, uh, if you read between the lines, it was about creating a green infrastructure, getting people doing green stuff. Um, It really wasn't linked to what I would refer to as a doing an energy assessment of a house and taking them through the journey of how to make the home better. It was very much about getting going again, getting the economy going. And that was the most important thing. Um, so I think you're right. It had good intentions and had good spirit. And actually, as, as the proof in the pudding, it took off right in the last week. It's sort of like it needs people to be skilled and educated and to be able to do the installs of these things that they needed to do. Um, and unfortunately, it just didn't last long enough for the actual industry and the stakeholders who needed to come on that journey because it came out of nowhere and was you know virtually gone before the people had done finished up training and signing up to all the certification schemes um, which is expensive for um, for installers especially and all the other people you need to be able to do this in a quality assured manner um, so will it continue um, I don't think it's going to continue under green home grant name but yeah by nature I think the government have recognized that they need to do something in the space um, and Bayes which is the government department for business energy and industrial strategy they're the people that are saying any policy that comes out of government will, will hang upon this framework um and the framework's called um so acronyms past 2035 british a british standard of how to do retrofit properly in buildings uh, so homes is a, a non-domestic one being uh, written as we speak and that framework is, is being used and with you mentioned the eco policy and the eco policy is the big one at the moment. It's the only real game in town for, for, for normal folk, if you like. It's the uh, energy company obligation scheme where uh, power and utility companies have to spend X amount of their profits on helping buildings become better. Um, and that one's going to use this past 2035 model of improving in a quality assured manner. Um, so that's the direction of travel in terms of start with an, an assessment of your building and then go, right, what are we going to do with it? It's sort of an engineer's approach, really. You could do X, Y, and Z to that building, and then you go and find out how to actually do that in a in a proper way and get quality assurance around those installs there in, in a whole house manner rather than single measures, which is the government have done for as long as I can remember. Which yeah, it might work, but it, it's not a whole house approach. It's just you could have this, and there's some money for it. Um, so I said long answer there. So sorry if that confused, but yes, there's lots that will occur, and they'll all use this as I said this past 2035. Is a standard of how to do it well and um and that's certainly where all the people are, are running around i say all the people stakeholders in this space of energy efficiency and measures and installs are certainly trying to get to sounds sounds good to me and i would say i'll just add on that you know, communication is always important and you know it sound like we've been bashing the government for 40 minutes it's not the case that they do oh, no. whoever's in charge in all fairness they do do quite a few good things sometimes that's just not communicated well but a, an example of that you just mentioned about energy company obligations and i you know recently uh, been to a few a few properties few homes etc where there's been no loft insulation and i've mentioned uh, the you know, acronyms eco to to the customers and they've been almost amazed by that and mm. it's because they just didn't realize it's such a thing existed and that's not their fault of course it's not their fault they didn't know they exist but 
No. Yeah, it's, uh, it just goes back to that communication. I mean, you know, if, if you listen yeah. to this and you've got no loft insulation, you you can get someone to do something about it. So interesting. There is, there is sometimes, and again, it's been, you know, I say it sounds really weird. It is being in the right place at the right time, isn't it? Sometimes the funds are there and sometimes they're not. And um, ticking the right boxes, I always don't like that. But unfortunately, that's the way of the world with these, some of these um, grant funded mechanisms for doing this. But as I said, I think if they can get that website correct, at least it would steer people toward to the place they need to go to be able to improve their home but you are right but yeah it seems it's not quite joined up at the moment i think probably the best description well that being said Stuart, i think that's probably a great place to leave the episode for, for this time as you said we can go down a multitude of avenues and probably end up spending all night talking oh, about, about different things but uh, that would make for a very very long episode in terms of uh, if people want to get hold of you or they want to find out more about Elmhurst, how do people do that? Uh, the website's probably the very, very simple, straightforward, www.elmhurstenergy.co.uk. There's news. Uh, we're on social media, on LinkedIn and Twitter, etc. You know, we are very independent. We, we just try to tell people what's coming up, what's happening. Um, I'm just reminded, we've got some fact sheets for landlords about me's and what that means and how it works. Fact sheets for the tenants, fact sheets for landlords, fact sheets for energy assessors. And there's lots of sort of marketing materials on there people can take away for free. But that's uh, just to say, we, we try to tell people how it all is and how it works in an, in an independent manner. We just say, this is how it is and what, what's going on. So I say, hopefully we have no vested interest. We're just there to educate and help people where do they want to go but yeah website's a good starter and that will tell you how to find anything out fantastic stuff and as mentioned a few times in, in the show we'll put all of that in the show notes as well uh, Stuart, uh, incredibly insightful thank you very much for uh, your time and uh, look forward to uh, having you on again oh thank you for invi- inviting me yeah hopefully we'll do it again thanks Rob.